Did you know that over the last decade, nearly all of the top 25 worship songs come from just four different churches? Let's talk about it. Welcome to Blueprint Sounds. My name is Nathan Smith. Thanks for joining me. Today, we're going to be talking about the worship industry and that stat that I shared with you at the beginning, that nearly all of the top 25 worship songs of the last decade come from just four sources. But before we do, I want to give you something. If you have a song that you've been working on with your team that you wish could have another gear, go to my website, blueprintsounds.com, and get access to my free guide called 25 Chart Topping Arrangement Tricks. It gives you 25 tricks for ways to keep your song interesting, a few sentences about why that trick works and what to listen for, and then a song from the radio so that you can hear the trick in action. Again, go to my website, blueprintsounds.com, or click on the link nearby, blueprintsounds.com forward slash 25 tricks. So I was listening to a worship podcast, and I stumbled upon an interview with two researchers from worshipleaderresearch.com, and they had just come out with their study in the summer about the top 25 songs of the last decade. So from 2010 to 2020, the top 25 songs of the decade were either written by or popularized by one of four big churches or ministries. That's Elevation Worship, Bethel, Hillsong, and Passion. Pretty incredible, right? These researchers use praise charts and CCLI for the study. And if you don't know what CCLI is, if you're ever at a Sunday morning service and you see a little number down below a worship song, that's CCLI. It's a registry of all the different worship songs. And if you project your lyrics onto a screen, you have to pay a little bit to CCLI, which then in turn pays the artist and the, you know, the publisher that published that worship song. That's what CCLI is. Anyway, because CCLI is a registry, they have really good data on what songs are being sung every morning in brick-and-mortar churches. That's how worshipleaderresearch.com was able to collect all this data about what is being sung in churches and what is being played on the radio as far as worship music. Again, that's their finding, is that most songs that we sang in the last decade, they haven't researched the last three years, but it's probably pretty similar, comes from just four sources. As I was listening to the researchers on this podcast, they were sharing some of their concerns. You know, one of them was, well, does that mean that these four churches have an outsized influence on the theology of people? Because oftentimes theology is conveyed through songs, and so maybe is that too small of a community to have have such a great impact on what everybody is singing and thinking throughout the week? Another concern was, well, maybe this is why worship music is starting to sound homogenous, right? It's all sounding the same. Well, that's because a lot of the songs are coming from the same source. And even if they're not written by one of those four churches, the song doesn't become popular until it's played by one of those four churches or ministries. Another concern was that, hey, if you're an artist that has a song that isn't picked up by one of those four churches, no one's ever going to hear your song, not on a broad scale, which is probably true. But now that I've shared the splashy headline with you, I'm going to pop the bubble. I don't really think it's that unusual, because I don't think the worship industry is much different than any other industry. Industries follow what's called the 80-20 principle. It's also called the Pareto principle. Vilfredo Pareto was an Italian researcher, and he noticed something. He noticed that 80% of output 
comes from 20% of input. For example, he noticed that 20% of his pea pods were responsible for 80% of his peas in his garden. He also started looking around and noticed that 80% of the land mass of Italy was owned by just 20% of the population. And you see this not just in business, but even in sports. If you look at NFL championships, just a few teams have most of the championships between them. Some have won, and a lot of them have none. So whatever it is, football, pea pods, Italy, or the worship industry, the 80-20 principle is going to apply. But when I was listening to those researchers during their interview on the podcast, the question that was always implicit in their concerns and questions was this, where are those churches leading us? But the real question should be, why are we following? Now, I need to be really narrow in the focus of this video. I am not bashing any ministry. I don't have anything to say about the quality of their songs or their business practices or their theology or their church culture. There have been a lot of videos done bashing other churches, and I, I don't want to be a part of that. But I do want to tell you that you, as an individual, always have a choice. That study isn't so much an indictment of those four churches as it is an indictment of the American church, because the American church broadly looks like the American culture, and that is a consumer-based culture, right? A consumer-based culture is a burger and fries, a big screen TV, and a Netflix account. Those are all products that you buy that are finished. They're already done. They aren't processes. And here's what I mean. A typical worship team on a Sunday morning gets the songs, the charts, the multi-tracks, the synth pads, the slides, all of it as a finished product. Yes, the team has to play them, but by and large, you're standing on someone else's shoulders. You're buying something that someone else built. And so the laws of industry apply. 80-20 principle is going to happen. You're going to start thinking after a while, all these songs sound the same because they do because you're consuming them. You're buying finished products but you also have the option of going in on process. You could write your own songs. You could play your own instruments. You could find your own patches. It's all an option. It's available if you wanted to. This summer, I happened upon a talk given by a guy named Joel Salatin. He's a farmer from Virginia, and his farm uses no pesticides, no herbicides, no vaccines, hardly any medication at all on their animals, and they have amazing products, right? He's had his chicken eggs tested in a lab and they are multiple times more nutrient dense than the stuff that you get at the supermarket. Well, what's his story? Well, his parents bought the farm back in the 60s and his dad was a pretty forward-thinking farmer. When everybody else was buying petroleum-based fertilizer, he had a different idea. He wanted to look at the laws that God had put in nature and see if by following those laws, he could get away from all of the extra stuff that we've had to do for mechanized farming. So here's one of the things that he found. In nature, a grazing herd of something like cattle move through an area. They eat the grass down, and then they move on. But before they do, they defecate on the ground. Next come the birds, and they peck through the feces. And while they're doing that, looking for grubs and bugs, they are moving the dirt around with their feet, and so they're actually working it into the soil, and then the birds leave, and then the land gets a break. That gives time for the nutrients to go down into the soil, and then for the grass to come up and get 
really, really healthy again, so that when the next grazing herd comes through, they eat it, they defecate, the birds come in, and it starts the cycle all over again. That's how God intended for nature to work. But if you look at big feedlots, what do you see? You see a lot of cattle on bare patches of earth because they've trampled it down to nothing. You see feeding troughs, and then the feed comes in, and then the cows eat you know, in a small confined area, and then they get injected with stuff because they're getting diseases all the time. Well, Joel's dad knew that he could do it the way that God intended to. The only problem was their farm was so depleted that there wasn't even enough topsoil to drive a stake into the ground. So Joel remembers as a kid that his dad would take a tire, fill it with cement, put a post in there and let it dry. They'd have to roll out each one of those cement tires and put them in the pasture because there wasn't enough topsoil to hold the post in place. They did that for years, but they committed to that cycle of, all right, we're going to move our cows like a, like a grazing herd would in nature. We're going to move them every day from spot to spot. We're going to let the, the chickens come in and peck away and move around the feces and add their own, and that'll help the soil. And then we're going to give the soil a break so that by the time the animals come around next year, there's been time for the grass to come up and get healthy again. And now his soil, his chickens, his cows, his pigs are incredibly healthy, and he doesn't have to use a bunch of medication on them. What an amazing thing. He chose to do something totally different, and by running to responsibility, he found freedom. Because when COVID hit and they started shutting down stuff, he and his wife didn't miss a beat. He said, as long as I can find toilet paper, that's the only thing I can't make by myself. But we have everything that we need in our cellar. Pretty incredible. So back in college, I led worship for a Thursday night prayer group. And I found that when I tried to play the big songs that other churches had written, they didn't really fit my community. They didn't fit me. And I was, it was mostly me on an acoustic. You know, sometimes I'd have a bass player and drummer and maybe a background singer, but it didn't really fit. And so I went in on writing my own songs. And boy, were some of those early songs bad. But we had a culture in which that was okay to do. And I grew. I got better as a singer and a guitar player and a songwriter. Today, 90% of the songs that I play on a Sunday with my home community, I wrote myself. That's what freedom looks like. Just like Joel Salatin built up the soil in his farm, I built up my repertoire and my abilities as a musician to the point where now, if multitracks and PCO were all going to go down, I wouldn't miss a beat. It wouldn't change my life in very meaningful ways because I'm free from having to be a consumer in that arena of life. I'm here to tell you that you always have a choice and you're not powerless. This is specifically for worship musicians and worship leaders, but it's true for anybody. If there's an arena of life where you're unhappy with the choices that are out there, you're not powerless. You could do it for yourself and it would take a while and it would be hard, but boy, is it fulfilling when you do something and make something yourself. Like I said, that's how you gain freedom and independence is by taking on responsibility to do something yourself. But if you default to consumer mentality, which is so prevalent in America, we almost defend it, then you don't really get the right to complain. I mean, you can complain, but it doesn't make any difference when you complain about you not liking 
what's been given you or what is available for purchase. Well, you could do it yourself. Never forget that. So my encouragement to you is to start moving in that direction. Could you next week have all your own songs and have them be great? No, absolutely not. But you could start small. You could try writing your own worship song this month. You could learn a new instrument. That might take you a year or more, but it would be worth it. You could try training a new member of your team so that you could take one of those multi-tracks out and have a synth player or a bass player or a drummer rather than just pushing up the multi-track. It's a different mindset, but I promise you, if you move in that direction, you will get addicted to the independence that you gain as a result of it. Anyone can move towards freedom and independence by embracing responsibility for themselves. Most people won't. Most people will stay consumers and they will also be complainers. If you move towards independence and responsibility, you will develop less of a taste for complaining and more of a taste for what you can accomplish. Do that. Hey, I hope that video helps you. And I hope that in some small way this week, you move out of powerlessness and into independence in some sphere of life. Again, if you need help with your worship arrangements, go to blueprintsounds.com forward slash 25 tricks. Until next week, God bless and goodbye.